If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 says, I'm going to continue this message series on liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, it's interesting because I got to tell you, it really does bless my heart to know that many of you have uh, been challenged uh, through through these message series is online. I, I just think that we have a tendency sometimes to accept the world's standards as normal in our Christian life. We think that what the world does becomes normal to us. Listen, if you're walking in holiness, and if you're walking in spirit, and you're walking in truth, and you're walking in the ways of the Lord... And I got to tell you something. He says, come out from among them and be what? Separate. Be holy. Be separate. Stand out. Live a righteous life. Live a right life that's different than what the world has to communicate to us. But oftentimes I think we accept the abnormal for the normal. Have you enjoyed these messages online? Well, praise the Lord. And, and I know for myself it's been good for me because I've been challenged to not round numbers up. I've been really trying to think about, you know, if it's 1985, it's 1985, it's not 20. I mean, when you try those little things, and I brought some of that stuff out in the past messages, but I think that as I was putting this together, we have a tendency to do just that. And I think it's very difficult. But, you know, probably all of us either said that or had it said to us when we were kids, liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. I think many of us know that that's familiar. I loved saying that as I, I kind of expressed that last week to my sister Tracy. And we know that she walks in holiness, but I had to say that to her several times, and it's just a little joke. But it's a good thing that it's not really true. Otherwise, many of us would be walking if all of us were lying like our pants were on fire. Many of us would be walking with a limp, burnt, and in a lot of pain. But some churches might even come in both regular and extra crispy. I said last week, it's amazing to me how many churches that I've been a part of, um, and we use this word very lightly and liberally, but people are habitual liars, and we have to be very, very careful of that. As a pastor, I face the possibility that I could speak on a topic that is really not an issue in the lives of people in attendance that day. Have you ever heard it's... The old saying says, scratching where no one is itching. To prevent this problem in one church, the minister wound up the services one morning by saying, next Sunday, I'm going to preach on the subject of liars. And in this connection, I would like you all to read the 17th chapter of Mark. The next Sunday, the preacher rose to begin and said, now all of you who've done as I have requested and read the 17th chapter of Mark, Please raise your hands. Nearly every hand in the congregation went up. Very good, said the preacher. You are precisely the people I wish to speak to this morning. There is no 17th chapter of Mark found in the Bible. Now, I was going to do that this morning, 
And I, I thought about saying it last week, but then I got real nervous because I didn't want to see really expressively who the liars were in the church. It's best you just keep your hands down. That's right. Just give us a wave every once in a while, right? If you're praising the Lord, lift holy hands as the Bible says. Is there ever a time that lying is okay? How serious of a matter is really lying? Consider how serious lying would be in the following situations. Firestone officials, the tires that you are riding on are very, very safe. Presidential candidates, I promise that there will be no new taxes. I had to, did I do my hand right? Yeah, it's like they're always, you can't point. You have to do it like this. No new taxes. Airplane mechanic, the engine you saw me working on will last through your entire flight. That makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? Is there somebody downstairs for the children today? Oh, so they can be dismissed. Children's Chapel, you can dismiss the kids. There you go. See you, Logan. Bless you, buddy. He was like, what is going on here? And then the groom will say, I will be faithful to you alone until death. That's a vow. That's a commitment. That's a covenant. Debbie wants to be in this illustration again this week like she was last week. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. God considers lying a very serious matter regardless of whether the consequences of that liar are immediate, deadly, or not. I like what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. It says here, these these six things doth the Lord hate, yes, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. One, it says there, a false witness who pours out lies in a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Yet as much as God hates lying, I doubt that there's a church or any group of people where there's not a large contingency of liars present. And I suggest that many of you have probably already lied to someone this morning. It's a pondering thought, isn't it? Just in case you may be living in denial of your own tendency toward lying, I have prepared a list of some of the most common lies that we tell or that get told to us. So see if you can find yourself anywhere on the list. Watch this. When someone asks you on Sunday morning how you are doing, you say, fine. Sunday mornings, that morning that we're supposed to be the most spiritual, is really the day that we lie the most. We put on nice clothes. To hide the sin that is inside, we plaster on fake smiles to hide the heart that is breaking. We answer, I'm just fine. To people when they ask us how we are doing, even though our life may be falling apart. Maybe just we're scared that no one cares, that no one has the time, or that someone would reject us. They really knew what was going on inside our hearts. You know, I also hear this comment as well. Do you really not want to know how I feel today? Do you have time? You don't have 
that much time to hear how I really feel today. Because many of us will say, how are you doing? That's just a comment. You know, when, when you meet the Nepali, you can, you can kick the air to 71 if you would, please. I have shorts on today. Um, I think this is the first time today is casual Sunday. And I think this is the first time or maybe second in 12 years I've ever wore shorts behind the pulpit. I think I did one VBS. So it's slightly a little bit uncomfortable, but we're getting through this today. When we look at walking in truth and we look at walking in the spirit and we look at asking somebody how you how do you feel? Oftentimes we don't have a response for them, so we say good. The Nepali greet us with Jameson. That means hello, greetings in the name of our Lord. How are you? We know in Spanish, hola, como esta, means hello, how are you? In the Philippine, in Tagalog language, they say kamustaka. That means how are you? That's all I have in this brain of mine. I don't know any other languages. But I will tell you this, that many of us, it's just something that we ask and then we respond with, I feel fine. What would happen if the person that you're going to, and you said, how are you doing today? And all of a sudden, they grabbed you by the hand, yanked you, and said, sit down. i got to tell you how I'm feeling right now. It would take you off guard, wouldn't it? You ask the waiter or waitress, and you're starved. Hi, how are you doing? Good. You know, they walk up to the table. Hi, my name is Tim. My name is Julia. My name is whatever. How are you folks doing today? Could you imagine if somebody just went into this whole big saga of drama and that waiter or waitress has all these other tables and then they held that person captive? So what we do is we accept the lie. You know, it's oftentimes we should look at somebody and go, I'm not really doing well today. Wouldn't that be the truth? So, but what we do is we have accepted abnormal or abnormality for normality. Be very careful. And the reason why we're preaching these messages online is because I can be just as guilty to say, I have to be careful what I hear and how I communicate it. Very, very dangerous. If we as a church would start to understand people, and we would start to understand just how imperfect we are, but how perfect he is, And that we could claim James chapter 5 verse 16 where it says confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. James 5 16 confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. The church house should be the place where we are the most free to be ourselves and admit our weaknesses. That's why we've come here today. To admit our weaknesses. Why? Before a holy God and to praise him for his holiness and his strength. That's why we come to church. We come to learn to be discipled and to grab a hold of the word of God and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Listen, people can say, I I learn a lot just sitting on my couch. No, you don't. You just lied. Because I'll tell you, I've already learned something today just by the fellowship of brothers and sisters coming together. And I've already learned something because the distractions of my home are different than being in a room like this. That we are solely focused on the word of God. Don't you like what the scripture says? 
This is my Bible. God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my paths. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. What about if we changed it? That I might not lie against God. Oh, God, have mercy on us. See, when we walk in the truth and when we walk in the Spirit, and last week I made a comment about the Word of God being truth. And we're to walk in spirit and in truth. We continue. Number two, the policeman asks you, do you know how fast you were going? You answer, no. Was I speeding? That's ridiculous. Let me tell you a little story. I remember um, my house was on 2nd. I lived in Ravenna. Around the corner was the church. New Testament was here. And, you know, being a youth pastor, there's a lot that goes on in a youth pastor's life. I just want all of you to know that. So I would go down. I could tell you just how I go. You make a left. You, you go down this back road. You have two stop signs. Then you make a left, and you, you go right down in the church. It was that close to my house. And, you know, this was many years ago. Fifteen years ago, not many. But... Have you ever been in such a hurry that you get to that stop sign and for some reason your car just comes to a slow stand and then you take off? But the sign doesn't say stop. That's what I find real interesting because as I was going to the church, it was really bizarre because I thought, is this like Christmas or something? Because I see a bunch of lights going off and I couldn't figure out what was going on. We pulled over and the policeman comes over. Can you roll down your window, sir? So I rolled down my window. Yes, sir. Do you know you just rolled through that stop sign? Yes, sir. He didn't know what to he didn't know what to say. I knew I had rolled through that stop sign. I said, "Sir, may I make an appeal to you?" He said, "Okay, go ahead." And for some of you, you've heard the story because I shared it years ago. But I said, can I make an appeal to you? I said, I know I'm guilty. I'm the youth pastor down around the corner, and I need to get there because I'm also the minister of music. And if I don't get there, then the music's... This is why my mind was just, I need to get to New Testament. He looks at me and goes, you better hurry up and get to church. Don't let it happen again. (laughs) A couple weeks goes by. He knew I lived on that street. I know he did. Well, thankfully, when my car, for some reason, got to that stop sign and I rolled through it, it was Christmas again and all these lights were going off and I thought, what in the world is happening here? Now I have a right to tell the truth or am I going to lie? Which one is it that I'm going to do? Down the well, I had a little neon, so it was more like this. Hold on, I'm cranking the window down. You know, a little red neon. Don't get red. Cops love red. They'll pull you over. You have a red car, it's it. You're marked for life. Go with gray. You hide. Well, anyhow, so you roll the window down, and all of a sudden he says, Excuse me, sir. Do you know that you rolled through that stop sign? Yes, sir. I know I rolled through that stop sign. 
And he looked at me. I know that's not what he was expecting. He wanted me to say, no, me? I came to a complete stop. So he said, could I please have your driver's license registration? <clears throat> Just practice this one time. Where did, oh, oh, here's my wallet. So I got out my, now where are those registrations? Sir, now while you're getting it, you look at him and say, may I make an appeal? <laughs> so it worked. Sir, can I make an appeal to you? And he leaned up against my car and he goes, an appeal? What is an appeal? And so I said, well, I just want to say, number one, I really appreciate you doing your job. You did right by pulling me over. I'm guilty as charged. I deserve a ticket. Meanwhile, you know, I'm slowly reaching in my glove compartment, getting out my registration to, to show him. And I said, and I know I deserve a ticket. I am guilty as charged. But can I tell you why I rolled through that stop sign? See, right around the corner, I am the youth pastor, and I need to get to church. <sighs> Here's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to go check your license out, and when I get back here, you're going to stop at that stop sign. Well, see, shouldn't you learn your lesson the first, the second, or maybe the third time? We should. But the reality of it is, I think God's always trying us. And I'm not going to tell you the next story because I will tell you that I didn't learn my lesson. Maybe if he would have given me a ticket and I say this under oath, I probably wouldn't have rolled through that stop sign the third time. Then I had to make another appeal to him. And I had to say the same thing that I said to the last two previous. And then he looked at me and says, aren't you related to, and I'm going, oh no, this is not going to go well. We did get another warning. So praise the Lord that he is gracious, right, Mrs. Tackett? And that he showed me grace because back in the day, I didn't have five bucks to pay a ticket. So he was good to me. And so I tell everybody this. If there is a time that you need to speed, speed on the way to church. They'll show you more grace on a Sunday morning than they will any other time. That's not true. So I just lied again. I hope that they show more grace. But anyhow... So, number three, someone calls on the phone for you and you step outside the door so that your wife or child can say that you are not at home at that moment. Listen to this story. A salesman knocked on the door of a rundown apartment house in a low-rent district. The mother didn't want to talk to the guy, so she told her little boy to tell him she couldn't come to the door because she was in the bathtub. Her son answered the door this way, We ain't got no bathtub, but Mom told me to tell you she's in it. Be careful what you tell your kids because they may just interpret the truth to someone else. Isn't that amazing? Number four, you'd really rather not go into work on Monday so you call in sick and go shopping. I love this because many people, how many of you have seen on Facebook the, the little video of the guy who called and he says, hello, I'm calling into work. I'm calling off sick today. And, she, and the boss says, why are you calling off work today? And, and was it somebody in here that showed that video this week? No. Okay, so I'll tell you the story. It's phenomenal. And this guy says, well, because I just don't want to come into work. I'd like to go fishing. I'd like to, I was, yeah, I'd like to just, I don't want to come into work. She's like, sir, but if you don't come into work, you're going to get rode up. 
I know that, but I just don't want to come into work. And I, I have no desire to go into work. I just don't want to come into work. I mean, no, so you're telling me I'll get wrote off? Well, you might get terminated. What department do you work in? Oh, it doesn't matter what department I work in. I just didn't want to come into work today. So I thought I'd call and talk to you because you're the boss. And I figured if the boss is going to show grace, it would come from you. She says, sir, if you don't show in, you're going to get fired. He hangs up the phone, and this is what blew my mind. He says, I don't even work there. (laughs) Pretty sad of a boss not to understand who some of the employees are, right? So she was acting as if she knew who the guy was. But now what department do you work in? So we come up with all kinds of stories, and, and you know what? We accept it because we understand that the consequences of the outcome are going to be harsh. You don't look at your father and your mother. You don't look at your husband and say, I just want to tell you, Mom and Dad, I just burnt the house down. They're not going to look at you and go, let me apply to you. Good job. First of all, you're going to make up an excuse and say, why this? Now, I'm going to tell you what happened. It's not what it looks like. I know there's smoke coming out of the top of the house. That is not what... We fabricate things, and we call those little white lies instead of just being honest. One of the things that's very, very difficult in pastoring is when somebody asks you a question, you turn around and tell them the truth, and then they take it out on you. Be careful not to do that. If you don't want the truth, then don't ask the question. Thank you. So we've got to be very, very careful. Number six. The last birthday that you counted was 15 years ago. I love this story. While Jan was visiting her mother, they went for a walk and bumped into a pastor. Is this your daughter? He asked. Oh, my, I remember her when she was this high. Without pausing, Jan's mother said, well, she's 24 now. Jan, 35 years old, nearly fainted on the spot. After everyone had said their goodbyes, Jan asked her mother why she told such a whopper of a lie. Well, she replied, I've been lying about my age for so long, it suddenly dawned on me that I'd have to start lying about yours, too. (laughs) See, your age is not important. Lying about it is. So we miss that. If you buy a certain car, then you will be wealthy and popular. If you promise to spend more time with your family, but you never seem to get around to it, the fish gets bigger every time that you tell the story. The cashier, yeah, I got pictures. The cashier assumes that your children are under the age limit that gets a free meal at the restaurant and you don't correct the error. That's awful. Because I'll tell you what we've done. When you tell the truth, when you have four daughters and you're a family of six and you're poor and you go out to eat because everybody else is going out to eat, you have to look at them and go, I know the cutoff date is nine, but she's 10. And you know what normally happened to us? Oh, don't worry about it. We understand. If that's all she's going to eat, she's not going to eat an adult meal. See, telling the truth really does free you and it liberates you to be honest with people and to practice walking in spirit and in truth. We need to remember that because I know we've done that as well. Yes, you're always at a place where you're asking yourself and you're questioning yourself like, do I just tell him? See, Junior's only a foot high. They'll never know that he's 13. You know, I mean, so many are are like that. So they think that they'll just get away with it. And yet it puts that other person in a compromising position. And it's very, very uncomfortable. Um, Number 11, on Sunday morning, your wife asks how you like the new dress that she just bought you. And you answer, 
it looks beautiful in order to not hurt her feelings. So why is it important to tell the truth? Truth evidences a change in your life. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, it says, Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, do not lie to each other. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 21, it says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because you know lie comes from the truth. Lies evidence that you are still a liar. Isn't this a harsh message? Because, see, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, there's no none, no one, there's none righteous, no, not one. So when I'm putting together these messages and I'm actually speaking it, I'm speaking to myself as well. Because it's very convicting when you think about our whole life. Has it been a lie? Have people believed something that was not correct in your walk and in your life? First John, I mean John fourteen seven. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes into the Father but by me and through me. When you took Jesus as your Savior, you received the Holy Spirit who now lives within you and is supposed to be in control of your life. If the Spirit of truth is present and in control, what should be flowing out of your life? Truth. Right? So if we're walking in spirit and truth and we walk in the newness of Christ, the very thing that should be coming out of your life should be truth. Then how come you are still lying? Lying in your life brings into question either the presence of the Holy Spirit, which would mean you are not saved, Or brings into question whether he has control of your life. Wow. Let me just quote that for you one more time. Lying in your life brings into question. Question whether he is or has control of your life. Either the presence of the Holy Spirit which would mean you are not saved. Or brings into question whether he has control of your life. Sorry about that. I skipped over because I don't have my glasses on. Is the Holy Spirit prevalent in your life? Truth provides protection for you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Whatever things are true, think on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled, Lies provide a false sense of security. Isaiah twenty-eight fifteen. We have made a lie of our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. In a survey, it was found that 15% of the ladies tinted their hair. 38% wore a wig. 80% wore rouge. 98% wore eyeshadow. 22% wore false eyelashes. of the women wore nail polish. 
and 100% voted in favor of a resolution condemning any kind of false packaging. That came from Tales of the Tardy. (laughs) So it's amazing. Truth identifies you with the Father. He says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Hebrews 6 says, is impossible for God to lie. So lies identify you with Satan. Satan is the father of all lies. So God cannot lie. He is not a liar. So if we walk in spirit and truth, we walk in the ways of Christ. Are you with me this morning? Now watch. One of the verses I referred to a moment ago talked about the fact that it is impossible for God to lie. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if God could lie? Think about some of the promises that he has made for you. And let me quote those from the word of God. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, gave he power to become the sons of God. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Here's the promises. What if God could lie? What if all the promises were just a bunch of lies? You may have had persons who made promises to you. They promised you a special gift for Christmas. They would be faithful to you. They promised that they would always love you. They promised that they would never go away. But they broke their promises because they were just weak human beings. So now you have trouble trusting anyone who makes promises. God is very different from human beings. The fact is that God cannot lie. And I love what Numbers 23, 19 says. Listen closely. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The biggest promise that God ever made that he said, I will send a savior to pay the debt that the sins of mankind have incurred. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. What a promise. And then what a savior. Jesus came. He promised that he was going to die and then come back to life. The promise gets even bigger. Kind of like when mom and dad promise that they are going to take you to Disney World for your Christmas present, that they are going to let you pick all the rides, and the family will ride, and you can eat whatever snacks and sweets you want. The bigger the promise gets, the more unbelievable it becomes. But as big as the promise was, Jesus did come, and he did die. He did pay the penalty for man's sin. He did rise from the dead, and he did make forgiveness available to all. If God can fulfill a promise like that, then he can fulfill any promise because it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you thankful you can trust in God? 
when I fulfill my promises, when I tell the truth regardless of the cost, it allows me to carry the same identification as God, the truth teller, the promise keeper. Someone who tells the truth all the time is someone who can be trusted. And this morning, I'm just going to go ahead, and actually I'm not going to even continue my message this morning. I'll continue that next week. Because I have seven pages here. And I just want to stop right there because I think that it's so important that we go back and we revisit a comment where it says, and the scriptures state, God is not a man. That he should lie, nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God is not a man that he should lie. So this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. Here's my question. What separates you from the relationship with God? What has separated you from your relationship with God? One, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Two, have you been baptized? Three, have you taken that step of faith to say, here I am, I'm going to live my life sold out for you? Are you truthful right now? Do you act one way in the church? And that's something that I'll touch base on next week where the scriptures talk about hypocrisy. Do we act one way in the church and we act different outside the church? Do people ask questions like, Pastor T, is there a reason why you're a pastor? Because you're a man of truth? Or do they say, I don't know about that man? Because his walk sure doesn't match his talk. You see, if we are holy like he is holy, and the scripture said that we walk in truth as he is truth, one, we have what? Fellowship one with another. Man, I don't know about you, but but I do know this. This is convicting. And it convicts me to the place where we have to be careful what we say and how we demonstrate Christ in our life. Before Jesus ascended, he looked at the disciples and he said, listen, I want you to go make disciples. He already knew the heart of those men. And I want you to know in this section, God knows your heart. And in this section, God knows your heart. And in this section, God knows your heart. And this, this section, God knows your heart, and he wants to use you. And he brought you here today at this appointed time and at this appointed place to grow in him. To say, Lord, help me to put aside my lying spirit. Help me to put aside the storytelling that I've been so accustomed to that now I'm believing that these lies are now the truth. And when you look at the scriptures and you go right back to where we started, In Proverbs chapter 6, listen closely, church. Listen very, very closely. Because here's exactly how the proverb starts off. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Those haughty eyes and a proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. 
a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Many years ago, I preached on a message called Excuses, Excuses. I hear them every day. Let's stop the lying, church. Let's be truthful. Last week, as and I'll conclude with this thought. Last week, as one of the ladies in the church were walking out of the building, she looked at me and she said, Pastor, you know, I always think about children and just how truthful they are. You know, you ask a child anything and they will tell you the truth. Why is it that we get offended when we ask our children? So how does this dress look on me? What do you think about this blouse? What do you think about this tie? And when they respond with, well, it doesn't look good on you. I probably wouldn't wear that tie. It doesn't match that outfit. It makes you look as big as a barn. We all laugh, but it's true, isn't it? Little people have such ways of telling the truth because at that point, they're not going to lie. They're going to tell you exactly how they feel. Here we are as a church, and here we are as Christians. We'll put people in positions will fabricate stories so that it advances this person, that person, whatever. I don't care if it's in the workplace, if it's in the church. Because we're not truthful people. Just tell the truth. And be mindful of it. And then accountability comes with each and every one of us. I want you to say this with me. I want to be free. I want to be free. Then the Bible says this. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. When we walk in spirit and we walk in truth, then we get to run in victory. Man, throw down those crutches. Throw down those things that have kept you captive to Satan, the liar the destroyer, the deceiver, the one that has kept you captive for years. Be honest with yourself and honest with others. Are you walking in spirit and in truth? Are you walking in holiness? Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, to help us. Lord, these weren't my words. These are your words. It's the scripture that we're, we're bringing forth. God, we've let you down. We've disappointed you. We've said things. We've done things that that really are not honorable or admirable before you. Lord, we've even made excuses. We act like you don't even see what's going on or you can't even even realize what's going on. But we're not walking in holiness. We're not walking in truth. We're we're not walking in in the fruits of the Spirit and the Beatitudes. Lord, we we don't even exemplify who you are because, 
you know, this morning I woke up and my back hurt and my feet hurt. And, you know, so I lie to myself. I lie to others. I lie to everybody. And, Lord, we put you on the back burner until we truly need you. God, help us to be truthful. Help us to be honest. Help us to live a life that, Lord, people will see that we walk in your spirit. God, forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me as a pastor. Lord, I know we say things that, that, Lord, sometimes we don't deliver. God, forgive me. Forgive us. Help us just to be truthful. Sometimes, as the old phrase says, truth hurts. Father, when you bring out the scriptures, it's not because you're here to hurt us. You're here to make us better. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can grow in your grace and in your knowledge. Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs you, that that needs to break free, Lord, may they come to you today. For whatever reason it might be, Lord, if you spoke to somebody today, don't let them sit in their seat. Let them come to you all to be free from it and get victorious over it this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise your holy name. In your holiness, we end this prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.